Boyle Sports has it all. Moneyback meetings every day. UK and Irish racing live streaming. Extra places and Moneyback All Losers offers. And a Bet 10 Get 20 welcome offer. Boyle Sports, this is betting. Welcome to the latest episode of Off The Fence, brought to you in association with Boyle Sports. This is, of course, your weekly go-to digital jump show leading up to the Cheltenham Festival and beyond. And my God, we only have a couple more episodes to go before the big week in March. The year is flying by far too fast for my liking. Before we go any further, please do hit subscribe on our YouTube page so that you don't miss a single episode of Off The Fence between now and the Cheltenham Festival, where we will be covering the four days in March in great depth as I'm sure you can imagine um, as always I am joined by Barry Geraghty and Tony Keenan let's check in with the boys Barry how are you very good Vanessa thank you yep yeah, uh, good weekends racing and uh, no all very good thank you good good and Tony all good with you any trips racing this weekend no all very quiet uh, this week and thanks to everyone who sent in questions there just this evening for the show we, were, we realized we were possibly a little bit thin on stuff to analyze we've got loads of excellent questions there uh, some really uh, thought-provoking ones we'll try and answer as many as we can yeah absolutely as, as tony says we will be doing that towards the back end of the show but thank you all for sending in your questions uh, there were some really interesting ones so we will be tackling them in due course but before we go any further, we do the what happened where section where we look back at the weekend's action. And of course, on Saturday, the big grade one was the Ascot Chase. And we got to see Shishkin back in action, Barry. Uh, absolutely brilliant. And he's jumped to the top of the Ryanair market. He's currently five to four with Boyle Sports for the Ryanair off the back of this win where he beat Pick Dory and Fakir Duderi's just beat them a distance essentially you were so keen on him beforehand and um, your confidence played out on the track yeah it was a great performance and um, from word go he jumped he traveled he, he just he was in his comfort zone and that's what he wasn't in the tingle creek and he probably didn't jump as you know as, as well as he should have that day and um, he was under the pump a lot of the way in the tingle creek but on saturday in ascot traveled brilliantly jumped really well he was a winner everywhere and it was the class horse that he is so he was he's, he's back up to the level of form that for me he'd have won his champion chase at but just that he needs that little bit further now so obviously he's had a little bit of um work done on his wind to help him too and he was running with a tongue tie for the first time but no you'd have to be really impressed with him and i think he's, he's pretty solid for the for the ryanair considering how, how he runs and his running style and the way in which he jumps barry uh, there was some talk post-race about him going to the gold cup i i think that's a, about a million to one to happen but would you ever have him down as a gold cup horse you could but he has the option of the ryanair obviously um he could go the gold cup route uh, there's no reason to suggest he wouldn't um his pedigree would say he would get the trip um but it would be a big step up from two mile to go on for the for the gold cup three mile two and a, and a half around Cheltenham. it's very hard to get but um the Ryanair is tailor-made from Nicky mentioned afterwards maybe go for the bowl and entry you could see him being a possible king george horse next season and maybe then a gold cup could be considered but um i would be with you i'd say for the minute we're we're getting the impression it's more likely to be the Ryanair. Tony at five to four for the Ryanair. Would you have any interest in him at that price off the back of the Ascot run? And, and did the Ascot run surprise you in any way? 
It did surprise me. I, I didn't like him at all on Saturday. I, I, I don't hold too many strong opinions on the English racing because I, I don't really know the, the real nuances of the horses. But to me, he, he looked a horse with, with a problem at um, Sandown and obviously the Champion Chase run last season. But I'd have to say uh, just an excellent training performance from Nicky Henderson. Um, got him very much back to his best. I would have said he was he was running into the, the mid-170s. I, I would have said here easily. Um, he was meeting a horse in Peak Dory who had been top of his game three from three this season and um, just looking at the sectional times on, on the ATR website there, there was a real lift in the pace kind of from six furlongs out to two furlongs out and at that point it was only Shishkin and Pick Dory that were able to travel it but Shishkin then was able to maintain that over the last two furlongs and pull away from a horse that, that, that was an excellent for a visually brilliant performance um, kind of backed up by times and backed up by, by form and so on as to the Ryanair uh, the Gold Cup thing first of all <laughs> Ah, look, it would be wonderful if he went for the Gold Cup, but to be honest, it was never really on my mind that, that he would be thinking of a Gold Cup after this, based on the, the trainer who's there. And he's also, of course, coming off a couple of physical issues here, whether it be the the bone issue or whether it be the, the breathing issue. To me, stepping up gradually in trip would make more sense maybe than going three miles, but perhaps he will be too old for, for a Gold Cup next year. As to the Ryanair, well, I think Nicky Henderson has done the really difficult part of it in terms of getting him back. And uh, people who are wondering about getting him back, I think that were very realistic concerns beforehand because they don't come back too often, horse like this. It, it's The fact that it happens so rarely makes it such an achievement. And now he also has a, it's not as difficult a task, but it, it's still a difficult task. He, he's got him back to his peak, he now has to keep him there. And the Ryanair is only 26 days away, so there will be a slight chance of a you know race maybe coming too soon. I don't think there's any doubt for how visually impressive he was on Saturday, he still did have a hard race. There's nothing in the Ryanair that can live with him um, on raw ability. It's just whether he can reproduce that. Or he may not even need to just reproduce what he did ask on Saturday just to get close to that, and, and he is the one to be put. I suppose at the price on the day, I'd probably try and back something against him, but it wouldn't be a massively strong opinion. Okay, well, let's move on and stick with you, Tony, to Janadil winning the Red Mills Chase at the weekend, beating Hawthorne Calore into second, and Capadano made his reappearance to fill in the places in third. Uh, what were your takeaways from the Red Mills, I suppose? Janadil has been price boosted by Ball Sports to 8 to 1 for the Ryanair, general shorter price than that elsewhere. Um, I suppose you've already covered that market, but what were your takeaways from Goran? Um, very good return from Janadil. Um... Probably not a bona fide grade one horse, and we've lots of evidence to suggest that, but it was an excellent return when he didn't seem to be expected to return in anything like this shape. The market was negative, and the trainer was quite negative beforehand. The people looking at him in the paddock said he was carrying a bit. So excellent run out of him. Um, definitely have a chance of making the shake-up in the Ryanair, the weather he'd be able to beat a peak from Shishkin. I don't know, it's just whether Shishkin is going to be at that peak. I was disappointed with Houghton Kalur. Um, the race was a little bit of a messy in that it was slowly run and he seemed to get very keen in the middle part of the race. I thought Paul Townend got caught out a little bit maybe with Janadil. He, he'd uh, look uh, through his legs after he jumped four out and Rachel Blackmore was kind of scrubbing Janadil long and I don't think he, he, he was worried about him at all. And he kind of come to two out and oh, says maybe there is something here. He, he just went for everything very quickly but I still think Hodon Kaleo with fitness on his side should have been able to pull away. It, it wasn't a terrible performance to him by any means but I don't think there's any evidence really suggests he's going to be winning a Ryanair on that and especially with Shishkin the same ownership. I wouldn't even be expecting him to turn up there. The race for him might be something like the race at um, Fairy House on Irish Grand National Day. Kind of a grade two, flat two and a half miles speed emphasising um, might suit him. I thought Capadano, who we've had a number of questions in about, he, he ran very well um, with a view to going up and trip. 
Gore in two and a half miles would, would be very much on the sharp side for him. He jumped well in the main bar, a couple of mistakes in the straight. I do think the big plan with him is probably not going to be Cheltenham as much as it's Aintree and perhaps even more so Punchestown. Punchestown has been his place over the last two seasons and maybe the Punchestown Gold Cup is the race they're kind of thinking of. With Gallop and the Champs, Mullins team have always, I'm sure, viewed him as the, the more Cheltenham Gold Cup horse with his proven form at the Sackwish Capitano was disappointing there in the Brown Advisory last year. And the Grand National is there for him too. I know he's only seven, but he does seem to have bags of stamina. He stayed really well at Punchestown last year. So perfectly encouraging return from him too. Okay, um, Barry, over to you for the sort of the sort of same race. What, what sort of where would you expect Janadil's big spring target to be? Yeah, well, I suppose the only um, slight negative for Janadil, albeit it was a great performance he wasn't really expected as in they felt he would need the run so that isn't the perfect prep for going to Ryanair so Tony mentioned as a guy Shishkin does 26 days but I would imagine Shishkin will bounce out of his run an awful lot better than Janadil will bounce out of this haven't needed the run as much as he did so on the back of a break so that would be a slight negative for him but it was a good performance by the horse especially when he did need the run as regards Hotan Kalur, to me he's always been a strong traveller who promised a lot I think Turles would have suited him. He would have won in Turles had he stood up. But, you know, it's, it's an easier track than Gorn on soft ground or Cheltenham for that matter. So I think he's a horse who would be better suited by that race, Tony mentioned at various because he, he likes to travel and he's a horse who probably just doesn't find as much under pressure. So um, I wouldn't find much fault in anything that happened. Only just he's a horse that promises more than he delivers, maybe. Um, Capadano though he ran a cracker and probably like as Tony mentions Aintree could be options for him or, or punches him but the National as a 7 year old it might just come a little bit soon from, but he definitely a great show from him OK Tony let's move on to Phil Dore at Goran in the Rednells trial hurdle back over hurdles having been seen a good few times chasing but latterly things not having gone his way and then he makes a winning return over hurdles um, what what next for him do you think for, for Phil Dore? Well, I'd say what next for him is to try and find him a race with soft ground. Um, I do think that's possibly been his Achilles heel as much as that over fences is that he's had the run at Leperstown a couple of times. So the ground is quite quick. And even at Navin, when he won on debut, the ground wouldn't have been typical Navin slow. I think it was yielding, maybe pushing for yielding to soft that day. And this is quite a difficult race to analyse. It's possible the form could mean nothing. I think they were four and a half, 4.7 seconds slower than the um, four-year-old maiden hurdle beforehand. Like, that's wow. just colossal. Colossal for a grade two, or sorry, grade three hurdle. Um, Charge is running on ground that he's always kind of hated and has now started this um, threat of throwing in quite a bad mistake in his races. So, again, I don't know what he's achieved. I think his head carriage isn't pristine at the minute either. He wasn't great in the Madison um, the day he beat Zana here. Just thought he wasn't great that day, and he, he was kind of off for time after that. So, worries are still an injury kind of lingering there. I thought the horse like shit best was the, the toward horse, Dr. Bravo. Um, in theory he was well positioned off a very slow pace but I actually think he's a big Larry sort there's a bit of mighty potter about him but he doesn't like being in front um, too long I think he got to the front very early there and made quite a bad mistake too out um, but he was getting a lot of weight from two horses so you don't really know what kind of level they've run to I do wonder if he might pitch up in a Supreme like Gordon Elliott does not have a lot of horses for that race at the moment in fact he may not have any horses for the races um, the opener on Tuesday a lot of the horses that would be entered he's talking about handicaps for them I suppose the one who would have the most solid form or at least the highest level of form is Irish Point and he's talking about maybe keeping him for entry and Fairy House and Punchestown and so on so I do think Dr Bravo in a strongly run supreme it, it would suit him a little bit better but, but he'd obviously need to step up an awful lot Okay, Tony, um, Barry, 
going back to to Phil Dor, um, he's a horse that I've been a big fan of, and and now I mean, like listening to Tony's answer there, I I don't know, will we even see him at Cheltenham? The Coral Cup being touted, but I mean, with, is that likely? Well, it sort of depends on the handicapper does with him. Um, he was in here, I think it was at 147. He's potentially going to get £7 for this. Um, he was getting £4 off Sharjah um, and was, I think, about £11 wrong with him. So he's looking at maybe getting £7 plus, depending on what the English handicapper does. But for me, Sharjah on soft to heavy ground, he was very much opposable. Um, Tony mentioned when he beat Zana here on Leopardstown, that day the last hurdle was bypassed and they came out wide to bypass it on the old ground from earlier in the, over Christmas and that was the worst part of the ground and as soon as he hit it he did get that head carriage because he started to struggle so for me the same thing in Gorn he was he was definitely one to take on because soft to heavy ground aren't his conditions he was 19 lengths behind Honeysuckle two years ago at the Dublin Racing Festival on soft to heavy ground so he really wants a better to be at his best so I don't think we saw anything near Sharjah at his best Phil Dord did well to win but if you put another £7 on him in a handicap, I think you might find it hard work. OK, sticking with the hurdlers, Barry, and sticking with you, uh, coming over to the UK, I like to move it absolutely bolted up in the Kingwell hurdle and uh, seemed to surprise connections in the process as much as many other people. Um, he's put himself in the champion hurdle mix. He's around about a 20 to 1 shot in the champion hurdle and about half that price, tens and below, in the without Constitution Hill market. Um, obviously we're biased on this show, Team Constitution Hill, but in terms of this horse as a champion hurdler, could you see him bouncing back to something like a place definite a champion hurdle in March? I think definitely. Uh, this is a great run, uh, beating Appers Hill and, and First Street. Two very smart horses who would have been well suited by the track, um, lots of pace, good ground, but um, no, I like to move it. That was a really good performance. He clocked a good time as well. Um, He's done well at Cheltenham before. He he won the he won the, the Great Wood Hurdle on his first run this season. He then flopped um on New Year's Day in the Rail Keel on soft ground over two and a half miles. So he's come back to form here again. I think he's definitely got a squeak. If you're looking to take on if Vauban is third in the betting, he's definitely, I think, at that level and he could give Stateman a little bit to think about. Okay. Okay, positive nod. And sticking with you, Barracks, we just want to cover the Grand National Trial up at Haydock. Uh, it was won by Venetia's um, runner in Quick Wave. Sorry, mind blank there. But Cloudy Glenn finished in third and made a good reappearance run. And a horse who's caught your eye for the National at around 40s. Yeah, quick wet bounce back after disappointing the Chepstow, having been a good winner in Sandown before that. Uh, that was a good performance. But yeah, I thought Cloudy Glens were on a cracker. Um, he dropped in in the, the, the former Ladbrokes Trophy, as it's known in Newbury, when he won it last season. Crept, travelled, he jumps brilliantly. But he made the running in, uh, in Haydock on soft ground and he looked like a horse who just ran out of puff um, I'd imagine ridden with more restraint but the, the way he jumps he's back down I think he's only £5 above the mark where he won in Newbury and he's possible even to get another pound or two off he wouldn't want to get much more off or he might make the cut for the national but I thought he could be a real smart national contender but I definitely want to be dropping him in Okay, big shout at 40s, but dropped in, running style key. Um, Tony, let's come back to you and cover a bit more of the Irish action. You were taken with a couple of bumper performances from the last seven days or so. Which ones jumped out the page at you? Yeah, it was the two winners on the weekend um, were both impressive. Uh, Goran, first of all, the, the Jiggenstown mare, the, the four-year-old, was very impressive, well-fancied in the market, very well-bred. I think she's a, she half the Mighty Potter on French Dynamite and a few days cost a lot of money. Um, without having run. I, I wouldn't be expecting her to be a, a 
punch or a Cheltenham champion bumper horse. I, I expect they might keep her at home, but she, but she was very good on um, Saturday. But more so thinking of the champion bumper at Cheltenham, this horse of Willie Mullins, Ballyborn, um, Ronnie Bartlett owned horse. I thought he was impressive now. Uh, did plenty wrong, was keen in the early stages, but it was a real genuine low head carriage. And then turning into the straight, it just looks like he, he, he's beaten, he hasn't a hope, but he just seems to find another bit. And then he finishes up and very strong at the line, wins going away. To me, it looked loud, like a strong bumper. Um, you had the front, the first three home were all very solid in the market. Gordon Elliott's horse attracted kind of late support. The third was Irish Panther, who'd given Factor File a, a tough race at um, Leperstown at Christmas. Even the fourth horse, the uh, Pat Fahey horse, cost quite a few quid out of a pint as well. So I wouldn't be one bit surprised now if um, he's a player on the champion bumper. Ch James's gate um, won the same race last year. I know it's a tight window, but Willie Munns can get the improvement out of them better than most. And just more generally on the on the champion bumper, I'm just thinking a bit more about that race in the last week or two. I'm thinking maybe that the favourite, the, it's for me, the Munir and Swede horse. He, he looks very short now at the minute um, for what he's done. Yes, he beat Sutton's Hill. I wouldn't be surprised if Sutton's Hill was a better horse than Nace afterwards. He, he didn't get the best ride, I'm sure. I don't think in, in Navin, the lad that was riding him got jocked off afterwards. Um, but just it, even just from the Irish horses, it feels like a race where it, it's 10 deep uh, at least. Like Willie Mullins has, has five or six horses that you, you'd kind of be given chances of hitting the frame anyway. You have John Cayley's horse. Uh, Gordon Elliott has a couple of a couple of interesting ones there, Pura Field and the horse that won it down Royal. I think no time to wait. He's talking about running him too. So uh, he's three and a half to one at the minute. That looks short in, in an open year. It's not a it's not a year we're settling down to be, you know, Enva Elan versus uh, Blue Sari or um so Gerhard versus Kukrit, which it's kind of just basically a, a Tet a tet. This looks wide open. I haven't even mentioned the English horse who, who don't know an awful lot about. Like even their John McConnell's horse from over in England, Canto Bruno, would have been impressive. Would, would have upset. So definitely a, a race to be poking about. I've had a couple of small bets on horses on at mad prices on the exchange in this. I backed um, backed Henry. The, the, the tiny tiny bets, but pushing for treble figure prices. I backed uh, what's he called Slade Steel, uh, belonging to the Bromhead and Rob Cor. He 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 won nicely enough in punch time. They're talking about him as a champion bumper horse. Back that pearl of fee as well. Back that other one I'm talking about, the horse that won down Royal, no time to wait. So just just taking a chance. I think on the day I'd be keen to take on the, the favourite anyway. Okay, Tony Keane to take on the favourite. Ballyburn has been price boosted by Boyle Sports to nine to one for the champion bumper. So if you are taken with Tony's comments, then please avail of that price boost. Um, let's move on and stick with you, Tony, because um, Hidden Valley Lake disappointed a little bit at the weekend, beaten by stablemate Monty Starr. I know he's giving weight away, but um, sort of shakes up the Albert Bartlett market even more, I suppose. Yeah, it does again. Not the easiest race to get to get a grasp on because they did seem to go um very steadily, and then I suppose the the, the clash that we thought we were getting with Corbett's Cross didn't materialise. Hidden Valley Lake, I suppose, the most disappointing aspect of his performance was his jumping. Um, kind of fell asunder a little bit late, made a bad mistake three out. He wasn't great two out either. Um, but the stable mate was impressive, impressive in kind of everything he did. The way he travelled, the fact that he was coming off um. Just one run in the maiden hurdle. He had shipped very well. He chipped second best in the Shanbali kid. But he just took a massive jump from first to second start. And he looks a really big scope. He, saw, like he was actually bigger than Hidden, Hidden Valley Lake. He's a, 
he's related to Manella Indo and, and that so he might take another jump forward for Chelsea so it's kind of not just sure what to make of this race because it was a steadily run I, I do think Hidden Vilek didn't seem to really enjoy the Clonmel track like especially not torn on in he, he was kind of on his head a little bit um, but at the same time I wouldn't be surprised if the winner progressed again such as the improvement he got for just the second start Okay, well, Monty Star is 12 to 1 with Ball Sports for the Albert Bartlett. Um, competition time, guys. We have a competition for you. First time, I think, this season. Um, viewers, please do scan the on screen QR code that you can see right now because then you'll have a chance of winning an amazing prize to the Cheltenham Gold Cup via the At the Races Express, which is the steam train that takes you right in to Cheltenham Racecourse, then you walk through the car park and bang, you're on the track. It's a great way to arrive at the races. You miss all the traffic and um, it's a nice experience. You get great views of the Cotswolds on your way into Gold Cup Day. What more could you want? So scan the QR code to be in with a chance of winning that fabulous prize. Uh, as Tony said up at the start of the show, we had some excellent questions. Thank you so much for sending so many of them in. It is now time to answer some of those questions. Only the best ones made the cut, but we are gonna start by going straight over to Tony because Tony you have your own question you'd like to pose to one of us Barry in fact but uh, take it away please it's question time yeah I'm not I'm not sure if the best ones made the cut it's more an observation and I was interested in Barry's thoughts and I thought it was a very interesting article on the Racing Post yesterday Lewis Porteous I hope I'm pronouncing that correct Lewis um, but just an interesting piece long piece uh, about um, pre-trainers and things like that and I, I, I thought he explained it very well it just seems to be a structural change in the way the game is kind of operating now you've got these massive yards both in England and Ireland and I suppose they really need a, a kind of a feeder system into them um, whereby lads are pre-trained horses getting them fit younger horses horses needing time off and all that type of stuff and you wonder is this kind of a I suppose a trickle down economics in, into in, into the the, the money that's been spent on horses is now trickling down to these kind of um, feeder trainers, as I'm saying. And maybe prospective people who maybe might like to train themselves are, are taking kind of a conscious business decision and saying, do you know what? Like, it's very, very tough taking on these big lads. Um, maybe a safer kind of income might be this, this pre-train. Like, I also have a theory, and Barry may shoot me down completely in this. Uh, people may seem totally mad. I have a theory like that you have the top 10 jumps trainers in Ireland. Okay, like walking from Willie Mullins down there through to Elliot Mead, Joseph O'Brien, Henry Bramble, blah blah blah, so on and so forth, Gavin Cromwell. And I just wonder, are like the 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 best trainers in Ireland, not trainers for the track at all, are the point to point trainers? Because they've kind of said, like, why would I bother trying to train somewhere between 15 and 20 winners a year and be scrabbling around for a bit of a living? And instead, I'm just going to try and train these pointers that are just like, um, tulips and that Dutch history thing they're just you know paying mad money for them the likes of the the Dials their Moonbeg Stables and Colin Bow and Pat Dial and Elmery Holden there to a degree they're just saying now if we get a lovely squeeze out of these ones going at two and three hundred thousand get them ready for the point and um, that might be a safer living than taking on these lads and you know your horse running the screamer and, and finishing fourth to two Willie Mullins and a Gordon Elliott but Barry is kind of somewhat in this game may have a, a totally different take on this but that I just thought it was an interesting piece and well worth reading yeah no it was an interesting piece but I suppose there's a few different angles um, firstly you know you have certain uh, yards where they are pre-training you know it might necessarily suit 
the person who has that yard to take on the responsibility and the role of actually training you know trying to chase up money from owners you know the pressure involved that could be one reason and um, you read Ben Dahano he says he likes to see the horses albeit he had to hand in his license but now he's pre-training he likes to see those horses progress but you know, if you are, if you were a person, if you are Willie Mullins or if you're Gordon Elliott, I don't think you'd enjoy sitting and watching on. So, you know, if you have that level of ambition and you don't want to be watching someone else to train it, you're going to do it yourself. So you're going to push yourself. So, you know, Gordon and Gavin Cromwell, for example, 22 years ago, we shared a, a, a motel room in America during Foot and Milk. Gordon was an amateur and Gavin was a, a farrier. And they're now... Cheltenham Festival, you know, numerous Cheltenham Festival winning trainers. So, you know, it, it's there for you if you are up for it, but it's it's a, you know, it, it, it's a big sacrifice and it probably doesn't suit everyone. The level of commitment involved, even you see it still with Nicky Henderson, you saw what it meant, Shishkin, on Saturday. You know, his, his he's up every morning, five o'clock, during the Cheltenham, during the build up towards Cheltenham, you know, the bedroom light is on. He never sleeps because the, the clock is constantly ticking and that's not for everyone. Um, so I think there is more to it um, I, re- I respect what you say as regards to a lot of these top yards but they are the top yards too for a reason and you know as I said Gavin Gordon you look at Ben Pauling I know Dan Skelton probably walked into some great facilities but he's made it work and he's got the results so I think it's it's a results based business and if you're not getting the results you're not in business Fair Fair. Okay, well, let's move on to some of our viewers' questions, viewers and listeners out there, listeners on the podcast platform. Um, A lot of Cheltenham-centric questions, as you would expect, with only three weeks to go until the big day, uh, well, the big week. We will kick off, Barry. This question can come your way and then my way. Three horses you're most looking forward to backing at the Cheltenham Festival. Uh, Take it away, please, Barry. Three horses from you. Yeah, well, I like Lucia. Um, very impressive in her two novice hurdles. Very impressive in her bumpers last year. I think she's going to be hard to beat in the mare's novice hurdle. Um, you saw how, how keen it was in Shishkin last weekend, so my view wouldn't have changed there as well. And then one slightly left field. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Sir Gerhard and hoping he lines up in the Brown Advisory. Um, very, very classy horse. I think he'd be better suited up on trip. He might, he'd find his jumping easier. So he'd be one I'd look forward to if he lines up in the Brown Advisory. Okay, and the three favourites, well, yeah, favourites that I am I definitely won't be taking on and looking forward to backing myself are El Fabiolo in the Arkle, a pretty obvious one, Mighty Potter in the Turners, equally obvious, and Blazing Carl in the Stairs after what he did recently on his comeback appearance. So those are my three. Um, but then the same question, Barry, comes back to you about three horses you're most looking forward to taking on at the Cheltenham Festival, please. I think Allegory de Vassi, um, she's a very, very good mare and she's a you know, she's really classy, but um her jumping leaves a little bit to, to be desired. Um she's only had two runs, I think, taking on some experienced rivals, she might just struggle. So I think she's worth taking on in the, the Mrs. Paddy Power chase. Uh others are Hervis Allen, I think very competitive Ballymore. He is a good horse, but he hasn't had to beat the horses with the with the potential that are lining up here. Gaelic Warrior, Good Land, um in the pocket there's, there's a there's five six seven here with lots of chances and um, so i think he's worth taking on and the same for it's for me it's just as tony mentioned earlier on the depth in the bumper there's so many there with chances oh, yeah. um so i put the two of those in the one bracket these are quality races um and there's a good bit of winning in them so i think they'd be two that i just would take on in such competitive races 
Yeah, and I concur your thoughts. My two, I've got Allegor de Vassi. I'm also very keen to take on the Mare's Chase and Galopin de Champs controversially in the Gold Cup. Uh, I want to take him on as well. So those were my two. Um, Tony, we can move on to Ryan Garrett's question, which is very interesting, essentially in regards to the Irish novice hurdlers this year and compared, comparing them to the British. But Ryan Garrett has asked, what do you think of the Irish novice hurdle form? Tamaris at 16 has a similar profile to some of the great chance um, we got loads of Cheltenham novice hurdle uh, hurdle questions but that was the one that we took away as a sort of more general one in regards to that Irish form Tony yeah we've got a few questions there people asking about Ileti Tomp and high definition and their chances in the Supreme as well just to run through the Supreme so we've got the erstwhile favourite there Fasside Vega complete flop the last day now the second favourite is the horse that ran as a pacemaker for him beforehand the the third the third favourite hasn't run since early December. Um, trained by a man that has never trained the Cheltenham Festival winner. Um, you've got Tamira's Hurdle would have a Midland record. Uh, producing a, a supreme winner. Then you've uh, Hunter's Yarn. He can't jump. You've the Verge just coming out of a, a mid hurdle. No. I'll just stop there because I'm doing that intentionally to pick the worst trait of every horse that's in the front of the market in the supreme. And but that's the kind of race that it is. Um, so. I'm not going to talk down anyone for fa and for fancying a horse at a price here because I feel this is it's not a supreme whether it's a Fatur or a Duvan or an Alti or a, heaven forbid a Constitution Hill. It feels like a Somerville boy or a Lebeke or an Abazayan type of year, and um, you're not going to it's not going to take the one sixty horse to win it. The one fifty horse might be enough to win it, and that's my one opinion on the supreme at the at the moment. That and maybe I was a bit harsh on the likes of Ileti Tomp. Um, and maybe high definition will for once be able to get away with his jumping. So I can't really put anyone off anything because it's that type of race. It's so wide open. There's nothing solid in it. So maybe wait for the day, wait for the extra places um, and take a chance on something. Um, because uh, to me, every horse in it has a wart or more than one wart. Okay, Barry, so same question to you and reflections on what Tony's just said there in regards to um, those Irish novice form angles. Yeah, no, I'd agree with a lot of what Tony says, but going back to the question, Tamaris um, put up a good performance uh, when winning the Tallerworth, but Harry's, Harry Cobden's reaction afterwards, he thought he'd make, make the first four in the Supreme, so that wasn't going to fill you with confidence. And then Paul Nichols uh, highlighted maybe a race in Kelso, which would have been the more battle as his option. So I don't think either of those comments would fill you with confidence. Um, obviously, the Noel Feely Syndicate were keen to go to Cheltenham, so he's going to go to Cheltenham. He has a chance but I don't think uh, the jockey or trainer would, would, would just uh, fill you with confidence, as I say. Okay. Um, Tony, back to you for Birdman's question. Uh, is Embassy Gardens the Irish banker for the Albert Bartlett? Given your comments on this show in regards to this race, I think I know your answer, but take it away, please, Tony. No. <laughs> no? Okay. We'll keep that. Is that any, any more to add? No, I don't think we need to add any more, do we? Just revert to my previous comments about this horse. Yeah, fair enough. Refer to those. Um, Barry, we'll come to you for Ben's question here. Uh, ben has asked, Edward Stone, Anergumine, Editor Dejeet, who would you like for the champion chase and why? Um, I, I would go with um, Anergumine, slightly over Edward Stone. I think the track would have suited Editor Dejeet the last day in Cheltenham on the new course, stiffer track, stamp, more of a stamina test. Uh, but an interesting comment from Willie Mullins in his stable tour, how we mentioned that an Ergamine would have needed the run in the Clarence House. So he was keen, he seemed very fresh, 
didn't see it out as well. So I would slightly have an Ergamine ahead of Edwardstone. Okay, and I would be on Team Edwardstone side for the Alan King operation. I'm sticking with him, Ben. Um, Tony, we're coming to you for the next question. Kevin has asked, lots of people have backed Chapeau de Solil, is it? For the champion bumper. What does he need to do to get in? I would say he's iffy enough now to get in. Um, I'm not 100% certain of this, but I'm pretty sure the qualification for this is done on the handicappers' official ratings for bumper horses. Now, they, there aren't those aren't available yet. They'll only be done, I think, at, at the five-day entry stage uh, for the champion bumper. Um, and as we both kind of mentioned already, that the, the bumper is a very deep race this year. There's lots of winners there. There's some that have won more than one race. And this uh, Ricci or Chapeau de Soleil or Chapeau de Soleil has only finished second in a fairy house bumper where the winner hasn't run yet and the ones in behind there are only three of them have run um quite moderate races afterwards so he to me will be one that may struggle to get a mark that will actually qualify him to run you would think that there might be what is it, 22 max field for this that there could easily be that number uh, rated higher than him Okay, uh, yeah, I'm reliably informed by our producer that it's Soleil, Chapeau du Soleil. I had to drop French uh, at about the age of seven, so it's, it's, not, my, it's not my remit, these French names. Uh, Tony, let's move on to you. Let's stick with you, sorry, for Jordan's question. Jordan has asked, if you were to have three best bets anti-post for the handicaps, what would they be and why, please, Tony? Yeah, horrible question, Jordan. Thanks a million for that. Um, there was another fella. There, there was another fella asked the question: When, when would I start going looking at handicaps? And I'd kind of tritely say, and been largely honest, I, I wouldn't look at them till two days before till I got the final fields. I, I'm gone very um, late with doing these handicaps. Look, if something jumps out at me and says I think that's really well handicapped and I think the price is going to go, uh, I'd be quite inclined to take it. But the overruns in these races at, at the minute. Are, are, are totally kind of ridiculous and I, I just wouldn't have the interest in putting the time into go solving them like there's great glory in fits of jesus back the county hurdle winner you know in the, on the 25th of february brilliant but i just wonder about the time cost like i just be looking at it there's, there's loads of irish meetings between now and then there's loads of interesting irish meetings between now and then and I, i'd kind of be focusing my attention on those the Cheltenham handicaps can kind of wait um the other thing again this is just this is totally personal to me and everyone will have their own way of doing things and open mind to what other people I just try to do what, what suits me I would probably be more interested in doing handicap hurdles and handicap chases and there's one very simple reason for that the Irish horses have a better record in the handicap hurdles and I don't know the English horses I certainly don't know the English handicappers um, I'd have to do a lot of looking and a lot of reading to, to get up to speed but say something like the Ultima where there might only be three Irish runners like that would be a race that would be minimal bet race for me um, where something like a, a, a Coral Cup now or a County Hurdle or Martin Pipe, like I, I'd love going through those because I know the Irish horses, hopefully know the nuances of them, maybe the one that's been waiting for Bat the Ground, the one that was in the wrong part of the track, things like that. But sorry, it's a little bit boring to say, and I know people love to picking out handicap horses at this point. Um, I don't really, I've one or two horses in mind, like they're not even in the betting for the races that I think they're they're possible for, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. We'll find out when the entries come out. Um, this week but I'm kind of quite happy to wait and there'll be plenty of you know decent prices there still on the day 
I love it. The thing is about your answer there, Tony, is you've left it basically the door open for all the viewers and listeners to stay tuned in the build up to Cheltenham because you're not giving anything away yet. And we will be with everyone for four days of the Cheltenham Festival. And so if you want Tony's tips for the handicaps, you'll have to tune in the night before essentially to get them. Um, Tony, let's stick with you because we have another excellent question from Darren. Uh, with many a preview night coming up in the next few weeks, who and what are actually worth listening to? Well, this one, obviously, Darren, for starters. But Tony, any others? Any any people in particular? <laughs> Another dirty question from Darren here, and I've really been dropped <laughs> in it here. Like, look, I'm not going to crap on anyone here. Like, I have people who I like listening to, people who like, I kind of find I never agree with. And I'm sure there's loads of people at home saying, listen, that fella hasn't a clue either. And, and that's totally fine. Look, like, that's people have their own way of doing this. What I like and what I don't like, I, I don't like this talk about, oh, that's a certainty and this is a certainty and that, that there's no hope and all that. That just wouldn't be my way of doing things. Um, I don't tend to think like that. Fair to tape, maybe people talking about probabilities, that, that's a big price, that's going to shorten, whatever um, the case may be. Now, I know a lot of that is, is totally boring um, to a lot of people and the certainty stuff is, is real interesting and, and a bit of fun and all that. And, and fun is part of it too. Like It's not all lads with kind of spreadsheets adding up to 100% over around it. That, that'll bore you to tears at a Cheltenham preview. Like, here, here, let's let's project my spreadsheet up on the screen. Like, talk about turning off 90% of the crowd. Like, um, But with with the three, I, I, I do think the trainers, the, the trainers now can say some very boring stuff and very vanilla stuff in the lead up to Cheltenham. And I totally understand it. They don't, they don't want stuff rubbed in their face after the meeting. They've been interviewed every day, every second day, maybe twice or three times a day. But it's when they say something that's a bit weird or tell me something I don't know type of thing or, oh God, I didn't know that. So that was the reason for that. Uh, my, my ears would tend to prick up with that and pay a bit of attention to that. Um, now, Gordon Elliott would be a, a person who, who, who I think is good at that. He, he kind of gives a little bit away. Like for instance, he, he'd a stable here on the racing post, I think on... Yeah, Monday, yesterday for people listening on Tuesday. Um, he said three or four things that I thought were, were quite interesting. I, I definitely didn't know. I just mentioned them quickly here. Like, um, Hollow Games is a breeding operation since the last day. Uh, interesting. Riviera tells it some sort of back surgery. She was jumping rotten now this season, so maybe that straightened her out. Uh, the boss has also got some sort of sinus issue. Um, again, that may explain running bad form, come back to form a bit the last day. And Zana here has kind of had a, a stifle issue as well. Um, and he's also doubling down on the fact that he thought Liberty Dance got a bad raid at the Dublin Racing Festival. He obviously thinks that that horse given too much to do. He said that a couple of times now. They were all things I didn't know before that, that that's what he thought. Now, I'm not saying necessarily I'm fancying any of those five horses. But if you were fancying them, um, they would certainly be things that would encourage. And that's the type of thing I'd be looking out for rather than the obvious, oh, well, you know, this horse is going well at home. Something that, there, well, there are excuses maybe for bad runs. Because there will be horses that will come bounce back to form at Cheltenham and it's nice to know beforehand what the reason might be. Okay, Darren, I hope that has answered your question emphatically. Um, Barry, a, a final question for you, our last one that we have put in the running order. LFC Shane has asked, is it realistic to expect Brandy Love to run on Wednesday, that's at Punchestown, and then run in the Mayor's race three weeks later? Surely too small a gap between races. Yeah, it's it's unusual for Willie um to rush him back like that, but he's he must be very keen to get a run in, and I suppose maybe it's got to do with jumping, um and I suppose he he'll hope he she'll get as easy a time as possible. Queen's Brook is in there, and she definitely won't give him give her an easy time. So it'll be interesting to see, but it wouldn't be true to Willie's form. So he he's obviously very keen to get a run in. Okay, fair enough. Um. 
Next week on the show, we're going to be looking at a few darker horses, apparently. We'll have to get our thinking caps on, but that's what my producer reliably informs me again. Um, so do stay tuned to that, and we'll obviously have handicap entries too. But in the meantime, thank you so much for your questions, viewers. Uh, we much appreciate it. They came on all different sources. Um, but thank you very much for getting involved in the show. It makes for interesting content, and that's what we're here for. A uh, quick look at the week ahead. Obviously, we are recording this on Monday night. We've got Kempton to look forward to. On Saturday, we have the Adonis Hurdle there and the Coral Trophy Handicap Chase. It looks like we might see Frodon in that and also Nuzra and Scriptwright have entries in the Adonis Hurdle. Um, Barry, of the early entries, what caught your eye at this stage at Kempton? I'm very sweet in Frodon. Uh, he won the Badger Rails last season, or at the start of the season, sorry, good ground, when Canton, sharp track. Likewise in Kempton, drying ground, sharp track, flat track. 18 lengths behind Braveman's game, but back down to a mark that's only £3 higher than that uh, when he won, won in Wincanton, won the Badger Ale. So I think he's really interesting, albeit he has top weight. Right, that about wraps up the show, everyone. Thank you very much, as always, for watching and listening. Thank you to Barry and Tony for their contributions. And do join us again next week, where we will be looking back at the weekend that has just gone, but we'll also, as I said before, be looking at those dark horses for the Cheltenham Festival. And it will be our penultimate episode ahead of Cheltenham Week. So it's mad how time is flying. But as always, like I said, thank you very much for watching. For your contributions, for your questions, please do get in contact with us with any feedback give us a like give us a retweet hit subscribe you know the drill by now but for now that was off the fence brought to you in association with ball sports ball sports has it all money back meetings every day uk and irish racing live streaming extra places and money back all losers offers and a bet 10, get 20 welcome offer. Oil Sports, this is betting.